Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me. We have another great show for you. I'll preview the NHL season with members of NBC Sports, which had a conference call on Monday. And Daily Gazette Sports Editor Michael Kelly comes on for his weekly appearance with the five high school football games to watch this weekend. My first guest has been with ESPN Radio since June 26, 2004. He is the host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And on Monday, October 7th, he will once again be the master of ceremonies for the 14th annual Coaches vs. Cancer Basketball at Albany Capital Center. And I believe he's still on a permanent radio vacation from Fox Sports 980. Please welcome Freddie Coleman to the podcast. Freddie, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, Ken, always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. How are you, partner? I'm doing well. Can't complain. That's uh, you know, first, uh, first uh, Tuesday in October as we uh, talk here on this uh, October 1st. Uh, how many years you've been doing this basketball? I'm seeing. It's funny because I was thinking about that the other day, talking to my wife Denise. This will be the tenth year that I've had the pleasure of being a part of all of this, and something because of what I was able to do working in Albany for more than a minute beforehand to feel that love from everybody in the Capital District for a great cause known as Coaches versus Cancer. That's always, always a great thing. So I can't wait to be up there for the tenth straight year. Okay, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that. But as I mentioned, um, you were at Fox Sports 980 when you co-hosted a show with John Tobin. Now, I'm trying to recall, Freddie, did you leave the show before it went on that permanent radio vacation in June, June uh, 2004? Uh, yeah, I was when ESPN Radio finally came calling, and you just never know who's out there listening, but an opening was there for game night. And so I had a chance to audition for that, and when those opportunities come along, you can't pass them up. But I will say this. Working that time with John Tobin, the day after the Super Bowl in 2004, after the Patriots played the Panthers until our last show in late June, was one of the more fun times I've had in radio because we got to meet so many great people. We had a chance to entertain our audience, and we had so much fun working with each other. So those are fond memories for me, even though I was not there for more than a long time at Albany. It may sound like you had a lot of fun with him. I mean, how much did working with John help you as you moved to ESPN Radio? That's a really good question because I think it was invaluable, the kind of experience working with the friend and knowing that we could battle each other and have our opinions and not being able to take it personally because we were going to respect each other's opinion and have a lot of fun while doing that. That really was able to steal me when I got the ESPN radio because you're going to have a chance to work with so many different people or interview so many different people that you have a chance to still be yourself but also have a chance to make the show work no matter what the dynamic was going to be, whether it's two people or three people. So having a chance to do that on a day-by-day basis and working with him was really something I really treasured, and I really used that to full effect even 15 years later after being at ESPN Radio. Well, as you mentioned, uh, you're back doing the uh, MCing for the 10th consecutive year for this uh, Coaches versus Cancer basketball. I mean, how much you enjoy doing it, and what keeps you coming back? I keep telling them, I say, even if ESPN Radio decides to let me go, you can always ask me to come back, and I'm going to do it because I still remember the first year I had a chance to be a part of that, and Gary Williams of the University of Maryland had done it the year before. And I remember being there the next year and having everybody talk about that and how great it was that a coach of that stature had a chance to come to the Capital District. So having a chance to be 
Yeah, yeah. Iowa coach and former Siena head coach uh, Fran McCaffrey is going to be uh, presented with the Marianne Donnelly Fighting Spirit Award. Uh, you, know, for, you know, Fran's son Patrick is a pediatric uh, pediatric cancer survivor, and we know Fran is a very intense coach. But how do you think? I mean, Fran was there when you were uh, doing some of the MC. I mean, how do you think his son's uh, beating the disease affected him? It's funny because I remember when his son got the when we had Fran McCaffrey not too long ago. And he was one of the people that received an award on behalf of his son. And that was one of those moments when he was there and Peter Hooley, he received an award who played at Albany. He had lost his mom to cancer. And I'll never forget that night as long as I live because tears were just flowing everywhere. And the only people who weren't reduced to tears were the two recipients of Fran McCaffrey and Peter Hooley. And we talk about two fierce competitors in terms of Fran McCaffrey when he was a player and then a coach. And then Peter Hooley playing for the University of Albany and having that emotion flow out of them. So I'm not, I was not surprised to see that from Fran. It was really cool to see. And I think we're going to expect the same amount of emotion and the passion from him, no matter what kind of hard-nosed coach he has been and the successful hard-nosed coach he has been when he was at Siena and now what he's doing at the University of Iowa. Also being honored is uh, Syracuse freshman and Glen Falls High School basketball standout Joseph Gerard III. He's going to receive the Inspiration Award in the honor of his uh, grandfather, whose uh, courageous battle against the disease greatly impacted his life. Uh, Freddie, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see Gerard play at Glens Falls, but it seems like Syracuse has a special player, and he could really make uh, the Orange a force uh, down the road here. Yeah, when you can make shots, you become very appealing to a coach like Jim Beheim, especially more than ever before, where there's so much emphasis on pace and space. And if you have guys that not only can make shots wide open, especially from the outside from the three-point line, but also you can make shots with a hand in your face, you become a valuable, valuable commodity more than ever before especially in college basketball because the college basketball game is so similar to the NBA game and vice versa where you need those shooters. You have to want those shooters with so many people trying to make sure guys don't get to the front of the rim. So Gerard, I think, will be a special player the minute that he steps on that Syracuse campus. They are going to fall in love with a guy that's a fierce competitor, that's an underrated defender, a terrific ball handler, but his ability to shoot the basketball is something that is really going to take Syracuse to a different level, especially a highly competitive ACC. Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio joining us here on the Parting Shots podcast. Freddie, let's touch on a couple of uh, sports topics. Uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs season is upon us. Uh, when we post this podcast on Thursday, the matchups for the division series will be set. We do know that the Yankees are going to face the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the Yankees you know, suffered a lot of injuries this season, lost their best pitcher to administrative leave, yet they've cruised to the AL, division, uh, AL East Division title. Uh, they'll face a Twins team that's hit over 300 home runs this year. Is this going to be an offensive series, and who prevails? I certainly hope so. I want to see an 11-10 game every night, Ken, to be honest <laughs> with you. And I think that's what we're going to get with these two teams, that they have the ability to just wear out your pitching staff, whether you're a starting pitcher or whether you're a lead pitcher. I got the Yankees winning this in four because with all the adversities that they had a chance to deal with, and they still wanted with winning at least 100 games, that is just sensational what Aaron Boone has been able to do, and he's automatically my favorite for American League Manager of the Year because you can say, well, he has a lot of talent, he has a lot of this, but nobody in Major League Baseball had to deal with the injury seemingly day after day that the Yankees dealt with, and yet they're able to rise above and shine above everybody else. So I got the Yankees in four, but I want to see a softball game every night, and when the games are over, I want people to have beer at second base and just post each other the kind of games <laughs> that they're going to play. I think that's going to be a fun, fun series when the Yankees and Twins get together, but I got the boys from the boogie down winning this series. Okay, Fred, you may want 11-10 games every night, but as someone who has got to get the game in the paper by midnight, I don't want 11-10 games every night. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I clearly understand that we have to look out for people like you. Yeah. 
like you have to have those stories and so people can read about it the next day. There's going to be a game where it's going to be an old-time pitching matchup where both of these teams are not going to score. It could be a 3-2 game. I think we're going to see a game like that in the playoffs. But the way that these offenses can hit the baseball, the way they can take advantage of pitching staff, you may get one of those games, but that's not going to be part and parcel for the whole series, no matter how long it goes between Minnesota and the New York Yankees. Well, we know um, the Dodgers are waiting the winner of uh, the Washington and uh, uh, Milwaukee series. That'd be at the National League and the uh, other ones, Braves and St. Louis. And, of course, the other American League series will be um, – uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, International. Thank you very much. I'm here <laughs> to help you, my I appreciate I'm it. I was uh, drawing a blank there. But uh, how do you see – I mean, it, I mean, obviously the ones uh, with Houston and L.A., we're not going to know – until you know Thursday, we'll, we'll find out definitely. But what are your thoughts about the Dodgers and the Astros? I mean, could we see a repeat of the 2017 World Series? I, I would hope so in terms of it going seven games. But I will say this with this Dodgers team, they have been the best team in baseball. But a lot of people don't want to hear that because this is a team that has come so close more than a couple of times since 1988. That was the last time they won a World Series. You would think with a team that has Bellinger, who I think is going to be the MVP in the National League, what he's been able to do, Cody Bellinger. That pitching staff is strong, led by Clayton Kershaw. Their bullpen is really, really good, even though they've had their share of injuries. But they have the most pressure of anybody going into the postseason because of all what I just said. This team has gotten close a couple of times. They've not been able to finish the deal. Last year, they got the full beat out of them by the Boston Red Sox in five games. So if not now, when? Because how many times can we see the team that's been on the cusp of winning a championship, not getting it done, then they don't win it, then they have to start over. Not saying the Dodgers are in that kind of position, but that championship window can get closed a lot quicker, no matter what kind of talent you have in your organization, whether it's in the major leagues or in the minor leagues. Let's go over to the NFL. Some interesting times for the New York City area of NFL teams. Uh, starting After starting 0-2 with Eli Manning as a starting quarterback, Jan- Daniel Jones has led the Giants to, to uh, two straight wins as a new starting QB. And meanwhile, the Jets, well, they're still the Jets. Uh, your thoughts on the two MetLife Stadium tenants? Well, it's never good when the best team in New York in football plays in West Point when it comes to Army Black Knights. So that's never good for New York football from that standpoint. But I, when they made the move, meaning the New York Giants and Daniel Jones, and so many people said that it was too early, I understood why they were doing that because they're hoping, they were hoping that Daniel Jones would give them something that Eli Manning could no longer provide. That was hope and a spark. And they were willing to deal whatever bullets and arrows were going to come with that decision. So far, so good for the New York Giants because it took a missed field goal by the Tampa Bay, by the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers to lose that game. But it wasn't his fault because he threw a three touchdown pass in the rush for two. And even when he had his bumps and bruises last week against the Washington Redskins, he still was able to give plays a chance or extend plays that's something that Eli Manning was not going to do for the New York Giants. As far as you're the New York Jets, to me, it comes down to two things. Number one, you got to fix that offensive line. No matter who's playing quarterback back there. If you can't protect your quarterback, you're not going to go far. You're not going to help your running game. And if you're Adam Gase, you're known as an offensive guy. You've always made your name as an offensive guy, not just the quarterback whisperer. What can you do to fix that no matter who's playing quarterback behind that offensive line? If you're not able to make things and adjust to things quickly, then this could turn into a really, really lost season a lot sooner than later for the New York Jets. Uh, NBA-wise, big player movement uh, during the offseason. Uh, Kevin Durant, who we know will be out for most of the season, and Kyrie Irving are now with the Brooklyn Nets. Anthony Davis gets his wish to leave the Pelicans for the Lakers. And Kawhi Leonard, after leading the uh, Raptors to the NBA title, goes to home to the L.A. Clippers. I mean, how crazy of an offseason was it? I mean, we've seen player movement in the past, but it just seemed 
a lot wilder this year. And who's the favorite to win? I don't know if we can say there's any kind of favorite to win because the easy answer could be the Houston Rockets. Now that they have Russell Westbrook, but we've seen that team fall in the playoffs before. A lot of people in love with the Clippers. And I understand that with Kawhi Leonard and Paul and also Paul George. But Paul George not going to be available at the beginning of the season. I can't remember an NBA season that has been this wide open. I think the last time we saw it, that was when Michael Jordan retired. And you wonder who was going to ascend to the throne of the Chicago Bulls when they won three in the six and eight years. He went through, Michael Jordan retired for that middle of it. And then he won three more championships when he came back playing Major League Baseball. This is wide open, but definitely a more talented NBA than it was back then because you have so many superstars on teams that have more than a puncher's chance. You got Milwaukee with Yad Antetokounmpo. We got Kimball Walker now at the Boston Celtics. Can't forget about the Philadelphia 76ers. Can you mention the Clippers? We mentioned the Rockets. We mentioned the Lakers. There's going to be somebody else like a Denver Nuggets team that people forget lost in a great seven-game series to the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference semifinals. Can we got Damian Lillard and also C.J. McCollum the Portland Trailblazers. They got to the Western Conference finals last year before they got taken apart by the Golden State Warriors. The fact that there's not that one singular team can usually be a hindrance to an organization or to a league. That's not going to be the case in the NBA this year, Ken, because there's so many superstars and so many potential storylines throughout the league, and not just on one side, for example, more in the East than in the West, but more than in the West than in the East. I mean, it could be the bounce of a basketball like it happened uh, with my Sixers and really heartbroken. My son was very heartbroken when they lost that way to the Raptors in the Eastern semifinal. So it, just, it comes down to the bounce of the ball. Yeah, and no doubt. And more, how many times have we seen that winning a championship or competing for a championship – it's a razor-thin line. How many Houston Rockets fans are saying, man, we had Golden State on the ropes back-to-back years, and we still didn't win the series. But our team had a 3-2 series lead on them without Chris Paul. They couldn't win. Then last year, the series was tied at two. Kevin Durant injures his leg in Game 5. Steph Curry has an O for the first half in Game 6. They're still not able to win. More than ever before, because the talent level is so spread out, and there's a lot of remarkable talent, not just in basketball, but in any major sport. Anything that can bounce the other way, you don't know how much I can raise a team up, like we saw the Raptors last year, or potentially send a team into a tailspin trying to overcome that wrong that happened against them. That's what makes professional sports and even college sports so much more exciting than ever before, because so much more is on the line than anybody could have anticipated, no matter who you're rooting for or no matter what sport that you really follow the most. And finally, the NHL season gets underway this week. I mean, exciting times for the New York City area teams. Uh, the Jersey Devils drafted Jack Hughes number one overall, got P.K. Subban in the trade with Nashville. Uh, the Rangers got Capo Kako at number two. Uh, yep. The Islanders got to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last spring. And, of course, uh, you know, nationally with the St. Louis Blues, what they did last year on their run to the Stanley Cup, their first ever in franchise history. Uh, I mean, is, are you excited for the season to get going? I'm always excited for the National Hockey League season to get going, Ken, because I still think it's the coolest sport that people don't talk enough about it. I wonder how many people don't. I, mean, I wonder how many people don't realize what kind of run that was with a team, the St. Louis Blues, that on January second, they were the worst team or near the bottom of the National Hockey League, and not even six months later, they're raising Lord Stanley's Cup over their head yeah. for their first World Championship ever. And don't be surprised if something similar happens again in terms of a team that may be struggling early, then they get on the run, they scare a lot of people to death. I love the Islanders. I think the Islanders are really a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference. And I know Tampa Bay is trying to overcome what happened last year when they lost in the first round. You can't forget about the Washington Capitals. But that Islanders team from top to bottom, the way they can hit, 
the way they can skate. I like their goaltending. I like their coaching. That's a team I got circled saying it would not surprise me if that team makes a Stanley Cup final because I think they have all the ingredients, what you need for a team that can make a deep run to win Lord Stanley's Cup. Even though they lost Robin Leonard to uh, Chicago in goal. my Flyers will overcome the, the goaltending problems they've had over years. they got a young uh, stud there in Carter Hart, so I'm hoping they can rally around him and maybe get their first Cups in 75. It's been a while since I've had a chance to root for their Stanley Cup champion Philadelphia Flyers. It seems like they have a Hextall, meaning like a Ron Hextall in the organization yeah. <laughs> trying to win that championship. And I believe they're going in the right direction because it seems for so long, Ken, you can speak on this as well. It seems like they were trying to pitch and pass so many different things. I'm hoping for a quick fix. Those things never work because at a certain point, your due date is going to come up and then you don't have enough in reserve to make sure you can overcome that. I think by them having the kind of plan in place and sticking to that plan and seeing if that plan is going to go through, that's going to serve them well. Not so much on the ice this year, maybe, but maybe in future years when he can become a competitor and they're always improving and always tough Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think when Ron Hextall, the general manager at the time, was doing that, because I go back when Paul Homer was manager, I think. Yeah, with Ed Snyder as the owner, I think they were trying for that quick fix, and it just never worked. Uh, and I think Ron Hextall came in and preached patience, but I got to the, I think Comcast, which owns the Flyers now, I think it was, they thought Hextall was too patient. That's why uh, they fired him. But I think he's there's a lot of talent there. And uh, I was down at Flyers camp a couple weeks ago, and I, uh, I Elaine Vigneault, I think, is a breath of fresh air. He's a relaxed coach. Yeah. He seems like – um, he's a good guy, and he's, he seems to be smiling all the time. But he's been to the Cup Finals twice, and, and I think the Flyers the players are going to respect that. And he's going to bring an assistant. He's going to probably you know, some bumps early on, but I think uh, he's going to right the ship. And also, he has not run away from the pressure. The, one of the things that he mentioned at the press conference was, you better embrace this pressure. Being a team in this city that is a hockey city, that's a hockey town, and not winning a world championship since the 70s, why would you not want to embrace that pressure, be the guys that can finally break through and say we were able to do that? So the fact that he did not try to deny that pressure or run away from it, that may that may have been the best message that anybody could have wanted to hear, especially in that city and especially if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Freddie, where, people, where can uh, people find you on Twitter? You can always find me on Twitter at Coleman ESPN and also on Instagram at Coleman Experience. So anything you got to say, always love to hear it. We're all adults, and if you don't act like an adult, then I will deal with you accordingly. But on Twitter, Coleman ESPN, and on Instagram, at Coleman Experience. Well, Freddie, I appreciate a few minutes talking to you. It was great to catch up with you and uh, enjoy the Coaches versus Cancer Ball, and uh, we'll talk soon. Oh, it's a pleasure. Can't keep it the great work, my friend. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Uh, thanks, Freddie. That's uh, ESPN Radio's uh, Freddie Coleman. And coming up on the Parting Shots podcast, which is now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, subscribe today. We'll have the NHL preview with members of the NHL or on NBC Sportscasters. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast. founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. 
Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletics. Notable Trophy Case team members include Dan Nolan, President and CEO of Hugh Johnson Advisors, owner of the Albany Empire, who says, Trophy Case is an innovative platform that has great potential for athletes. Nolan said, The feedback and experience brings value to athletes, parents, and sports affiliates in one network. I simply think of this as a combination of Instagram and LinkedIn for athletes. You can download the Trophy Case app at the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes, by athletes. Get it today. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Jim Schiltz. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast. The puck dropped on the NHL regular season on Wednesday. The St. Louis Blues are the defending Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. On Monday, NBC Sports conducted a conference call to preview the season. Lead analyst Eddie Olchek talked about the teams that occupy New York State. For me to start the season is uh, what's going what's gonna to happen in, uh, in New York, in the state of New York, uh, including the Buffalo Sabres, but looking more at the Rangers, the Islanders, and across the river in New Jersey, uh, look what Jersey's done. They're getting back a healthy Taylor Hall, we hope, getting uh, Jack Hughes number one overall and then getting P.K. Subban. Uh, so that will be really interesting dynamic to keep an eye on those, uh, you know, those New York, New Jersey teams. I'll check out a few more things to say about the New York Islanders. Um, I, look, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, – but uh, Mr. Lamarillo was was very aggressive and you know and trying to do some things and um, you know getting you know getting Anders Lee signed obviously was huge to get him you know get him back in the mix you know they lost Leonard to a free agent one year deal with uh, you know with the Blackhawks so um, you know look I, they're they're going to be you know they're going to be in every you know they're going to be in every game just because of how well they're able to to defend and you know hoping some of their you know their young players uh you know and, and on the back end a kid like you know Caves I mean he is really you know blossoming into a really solid defenseman to complement what they got going there and um so you know I think a guy like Barzell, can he, you know, can he go to, can he take his game to another level? You know, they're going to be one more year, they're going to be another year removed outside losing Tavares. So, um, you know, I just think that the way that they play, um, they're going to, you know, they're going to be in every game. I mean, you know, they may not generate uh, as much offense as, you know, maybe that they would like, but, um, you know, if you can play good D and get consistent goaltending, uh, which, you know, you could argue, um, you know, they're going to be in every, you know, they're going to be in every game just because of, of Barry Trotz in the system. I asked three-time Stanley Cup champion Patrick Sharp, who is now a full-time studio analyst for NBC Sports, about the Metropolitan Division. I also asked him about his time playing for the University of Vermont and facing Union and RPI when the Catamounts were in the ECAC hockey. 
Sharp played for the Catamounts from 2000 to 2002. Uh, I do recall that. Uh, memories aren't so good. Uh, we didn't have exactly a powerhouse team at the University of Vermont, but I was there for two years, enjoyed my time, uh, met my future wife, and then got out of there to go play in that division with the Philadelphia Flyers. But, but to answer your question, this is a, a division that all we seem to look at all the time, a lot of big, powerful stars in this division. And when you look at the, the Devils, the Rangers, uh and to me, the Philadelphia Flyers fall in that category as well as teams that I'm going to have my eye on, especially early on in the season. New Jersey, I love how they're building their team. It seems like they have these quick, smaller size, speedy forwards and can just race up and down the ice. Injuries hurt them last year. I'm excited to see how they rebound and put together a full season. And you know, I did a lot of games covering the Rangers last year, and I was excited about what they had coming down the pipe, I think. They're going to have strong goaltending, whether it's Longquist, Georgiev, or another Russian goaltender that's on his way over. They've got plenty of young forwards added to the lineup that have suffered for a year or two, now ready to take that next step in their development. So Philadelphia didn't really look too good today in a preseason game, but I'm excited for what they're going to bring with Coach Alan Vigneault behind the bench. I think Philly competes from start to finish for a playoff spot. But, you know, when you talk about the toughest division, uh, I'm going to get out of the Metro and go back where I spent the bulk of my career in the Central. You look at one through seven, it's tough to put an order together. You may not have the high-powered teams, the Stanley Cup favorite teams that a lot of people have penciled in, but every night in that Central Division, no matter who you're playing, you're going to get a tough opponent. Analyst Mike Milbury has his eyes focused on how the Tampa Bay Lightning will rebound after getting swept in the first round of the playoffs by the Columbus Blue Jackets after having the league's best regular season record. Milbury's also has his focus on the Boston Bruins, who lost to the Blues in the Stanley Cup Final. So we start in the East. I think I got my eyeballs glued to what's going to happen in Tampa Bay. I mean, it had to be a bitter pill to swallow after the regular season that they had to go home at the hands of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they need to prove that they have the, the gumption, the, the courage to win the big games. Uh, and if they don't do that this year, uh, I think you're going to see some major changes in, in Tampa Bay. They have to prove that they're, they've got the right stuff. Um, other Eastern stories, uh, the Bruins. I mean, the, the talk here in Boston, where I reside, has been the bitter pill that they swallowed in a Game 7 loss. But I, I, I believe that St. Louis Blues beat them fair and square with a better team in the series for most of the series. Uh, but they are anxious to prove that they can get back to it. This is a window that is closing with David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron getting into their mid-30s. There's not much more time left, uh, but they've added some depth. They've added some, some pretty good players in the system. There's some good guys coming up, so a team to be reckoned with. And Toronto Maple Leafs, who are a fun team to watch. I don't know if their defense can hold up, but boy, can they they can score some goals and, and make some things happen offensively. And and I'm going to watch very carefully how Mike Babcock handles this because all the eyeballs of Toronto are on him and how the Leafs do, particularly in the postseason. Out west, I, I can't get past how impressed I was with St. Louis, of Craig Berube, uh, with his referee comments, in my estimation, during the middle of that series, changed the tenor of that series, got his team back to play in that gritty, tough game, and were nearly impossible to, to score against in that Game 7 made it look almost almost too easy. So those are some of the things I'm looking forward to. And 
drop the puck. My thanks to NBC Sports for having the conference call. Coming up, Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly talks about the five high school football games to watch this weekend, plus he has some local sports notes. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com slash football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott, joined once again for his weekly appearance as Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly to talk about the five high school football games to watch uh, this coming week. Mike, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Ken. Well, before we get into that, we had a, one of those slobber knockers uh, between Boston Spot and Burn Hills uh, last Friday, and Boston Spot pulled it off. Yeah, an awesome game, and uh, another one that I picked incorrectly. Don't um, so quit your day job. Sure, sure, <laughs> but you know that. But not a surprise to see Boston Spot get it done. Um, you know, it's a huge win for their program. Um, there's still a lot of work to do, especially in that division where you know between them, Burn Hills, and Queensbury, there's still a lot to sort out. Um, but that's a win for Boston Spot that I think delivers them confidence that you know come week eight, week nine, week ten that they can play. Uh, with some of those more uh, traditional powers. Well, we'll get into the uh, power rankings and all that stuff in a little bit, but let's talk about the five games to watch. Let's start with a non-classification game, as you like to call it, not non-league, non-classification. Sure. Uh, Holy Trinity, uh, Class B going against uh, Cambridge, um, Cambridge-Salem, uh, Class C team. What do you like about this game? Sure. So these are teams that over these last couple of years kind of became rivals with the way the classification sorted out and and, uh, and, and this year, they, um, like you said, it's, it's a non-classification game, uh, but two really good teams that, uh, you know, get a great test, especially Cambridge. This is probably, you know, besides playing Greenwich in week one, this is the best team. This is probably the best team they'll see all season, regular season-wise. Um, so it should be a fun one to see uh, where both these teams stand. Uh, a couple of double-A games. Let's start with uh, Shenandoah and Yokelin. Right, let's go back one second. I'll take Trinity to beat Cambridge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Frank, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Now let's go to Shen Goldman. Sure. Uh, you know, this is um, the double A's with the, the eight-week regular season and only four teams making the playoffs. Um, you get a lot of these matchups that, you know, it's rel- it's still relatively early in the season. I guess we're to week five now. But this is basically a game to see who's going to be the two seed. Um, you know, assuming Shaker wins out. Um, and is the one seed, which seems, you know, pretty safe. This is a matchup of a couple three and one teams that have only both of them have lost to Shaker. Uh, and the winner of this gets the uh, the edge to chase after that two seed and a, and a home semifinal. Who are you picking? Uh, I'm going to take Shenandoah. Um, the, the double A's, though, once you get past Shaker, 
uh, two through five has been a little bit of a jumble this year. Um, we had that, you know, the surprising results. Bethlehem's been involved in a couple of them. Um, so I won't be surprised either way, but I think uh, Shen gets the win, uh, even though they're on the road. Okay. Saratoga and CBA. CBA losing to Bethlehem last week. Saratoga, I mean, desperate times for them. Exactly. And, and, and that's why this game's on this list, because if Saratoga is going to make a push toward the playoffs, which most years it's a given, Saratoga makes the playoffs. If they're going to make a push, it has to start this week. Um, they get CBA, like you just said, coming off, you know, kind of a surprising loss with just the, the margin that it was, or they lost by a few touchdowns. Um, I do think CBA though wins this one at home, but this is one that if Saratoga doesn't win it, um, you know, the, the playoff possibilities for them are, are very slim. Looking at a possible, um, those, those they can go to games. crossover <laughs> games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Back to, we'll go to class A now, Troy and April Park. Sure. So uh, this is uh, a matchup to basically win that division right. <laughs> is how yeah. this looks. Um, you know, and the, the, the intrigue really for this one isn't so much who's going to win the division. The intrigue is whoever loses is going to have to, in the first round of the playoffs, play either Boston Spa, Burn Hills, or Queensbury. And the loser of, of this game, Abel Park Troy, gets that game at home. But you really don't want that to be your first playoff game that's you know those are three teams uh from that other division who all could win uh the area title yeah home field advantage may not mean a thing there sure you know and obviously it would be great to have home field for that game but you just don't want to play that game in the first round it it would be very difficult to be the two seed from this division and make and and make it out of the section just because you're going to play three really tough games um april parks at home i like april park in the game um I think Troy is a really solid program, um, but Abel Park has been so consistent week after week this year. And finally, Class C matchup, Waterville and Boreesville. Yeah, so this is another one. This is basically to decide who wins the Class C South. Um, both these teams have have played very well, especially Voorheesville after losing to Stillwater in week one. They've really rolled through their last few games, um, and Voorheesville is the, the pick for me in that one. All right, let's look at the power rankings, uh, which appeared in uh, Tuesday's Daily Gazette and online at dailygazette.com. Uh, Class AA, you know, Shaker stays at number one. Uh, Shen and Gilliland stay where they were, two and three. And Bethlehem, CBA flip spots because of the Bethlehem victory. Yeah, and CBA, that was that was an interesting one for them last week because they were off to the 3-0 and start, but they hadn't played any of the, uh, the upper Class AA teams. They get that chance last week against Bethlehem. It doesn't really go super well for them. Yeah. Uh, big shift in Class AA where Queensbury moves up from 2-1 to one after the Burn Hills loss. Abel Park goes from 3-2. to two. Ball spot goes from 5-3, to three and Burn Hills drops to 4, and Troy drops to 5. Yeah, and this is, again, I mean, Class A is 1 through 5. You can pick the order, and if anybody really argues with you, uh, they're just being difficult. <laughs> Class B, uh, no changes there. Glens Falls, Holy Trinity, Scottsdale, Copelsco, Richmondville, and Shawan. It sounds like it's going to be pretty well set through the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I, I do think there is. Uh, I think Scottsdale and Copelsco do play later in the year as a as a non league Class B game um, that maybe theoretically could shift this one spot. Uh, but that's your top five teams, and it's very difficult to see that order in general changing. Same thing with Class C, no changes there. Stillwater, Cambridge, Salem, uh, Greenwich, Fonda, Fultonville, and Voorheesville. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same same thing as as the Bees, really, where, you know, it seems like those top two teams have really separated themselves. 
Um, and then three through five is pretty set as well. Um, this is the class, though, where they're, they're ranked at four, but Fonda hasn't lost a game. And Fonda's had the, the unique opportunity in Section 2 football to actually play some close games, too. So they're actually pretty well tested. Um, so they're an interesting one to watch. Um, during these next uh, couple weeks. And in Class D, Warrensburg stayed the number one. They've outscored their opponents 234 to 19. Uh, Chatham moves up from three to two. Whitehall, which lost to Warrensburg, drops from two to three. And Corinth, Fort Edward, and Helderberg Valley round out the top five. Yeah, and, and probably the intrigue here is that this week, you know, besides that Holy Trinity-Cambridge game, there's a couple, there's, there's three fun non-classification games, and Warrensburg is involved in one of them where they play Stillwater, um, which will be Warrensburg's best test of the year. It'll be interesting to see them in that one. Uh, and just some other non-classification games that are fun, Shaker versus Boston Spa is, you know, a huge matchup. See if Boston Spa can – you know, pull off a huge upset two weeks in a row. Yeah, I mean, how much, I mean, uh, you know, having to play shaker, I mean, coming off that win against Bird Hills, I mean, will they have enough energy to uh, try to make it too straight? Yeah, I think for them it's a good thing in the sense that, you know, if you beat Burnt Hills and then let's say you play one of the lesser Class A teams, you know, not that you would take it for granted, but you'd probably take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but playing against Shaker, I mean, they're going to be, you know, just as revved up to go try to do to pull that upset off. And uh, just one more is Cole Skull of Sal is a cross classifications mm -hmm. game. Um, and that one should be a fun one between uh, a couple teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Okay. So I just want to cover a couple topics here. It's Andre Jackson, the Albany Academy standout basketball player. Has decided on the college, it's UConn. Is that kind of surprising? There's a lot of us who were here in Syracuse. Yeah, this is one where it seemed forever like it was going to be Syracuse. There was some UCLA buzz at, at different points. And then in these last couple weeks, um, you know, he went out, he made his official visit to UConn, and then he canceled his visit to Iowa. And he went to UConn again. So, uh, you know, it wasn't the uh, greatest kept secret that he was mm -hmm. heading to UConn, but it, it did very much seem like uh, – you know, that he wasn't heading there up until two or three weeks ago, and then it, it seemed to flip uh, pretty drastically. Yeah, so uh, good for the Huskies, not so good for Syracuse. It would have been nice to have uh, Andre pair up with uh, Joseph Girard III next season. Right, we could have just had uh, – we could have had 40% of the starting lineup maybe down the road <laughs> at Syracuse. <laughs> and uh, you all have to cross having fall practices. It seems like things after a tumultuous season last year, you know, which began uh, last fall with uh, – Nanakoke's uh, not being there, not being in school. He's back now, uh, but there's an injury to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for them, it was even you, know, you probably go. It's just a full tumultuous year when you when you go back to the transfer coming pretty much right after the the 2018 season ended. Uh, but yeah, Jacob Patterson's out for the fall. He has a knee injury. Um, it's uh, it's a serious injury in the sense that it's Jacob Patterson who's hurt. And he's going to be out, you know, for a few weeks here. Uh, the good news is he's fully expected to be back for the spring. Doesn't really seem like there's any chance he's not available for the preseason and heading into the year. Uh, but it is something to monitor just because he's such an important player for them. Did it seem like they were a lot more relaxed than maybe at this time a year ago? Uh, well, it's Albany lacrosse, so it's it's not so much relaxed as they were super excited and energetic, <laughs> and that did seem to be back where, you know, just for so much of the, maybe not so much the fall last year, but for the spring season, um, it wasn't the same vibe around them that I think people are used to, and they did seem, I was there on Monday, 
Um, and they did seem to kind of have that back where they were really happy to be out there and to be playing. Yeah. So good. Well, we'll do this again next week with the five more games. As we're in October now, it's a stretch drive time. I got five games every week for you, Ken. But we have five winners every week. <laughs> I generally have about two to three winners. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. I'll wrap up the show in just a moment. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hi, this is Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks and defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com slash blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com slash sports. Hi, this is Albany football coach Greg Atuso. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast, and as Sarah said, look for her NFL picks all on mine at dailygazette.com. I still have a five-game lead over Sarah, as we both had a tough week four, going eight and seven each. I'm 40-22-1, and one, Sarah is 35-27-1. Also, look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV covers this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. If you're a college hockey fan, look for my weekly ECAC hockey face-off selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the face-off selections by emailing them to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. A reminder that we will debut the Party Shots podcast on Union Hockey and College Hockey on Friday. Union Hockey beat writer Mike McGannon will join me to preview the Dutchman season. I'll have interviews with Coach Rick Bennett and players Vas Colius, Darian Hansen, and Anthony Rinaldi. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com. A sad note, former Times Union sports writer Maureen Kelly passed away last week at the age of 59. Maureen and I spent many nights at Heritage Park covering the Albany Colony Diamond Dogs of the Northeast League. Maureen was a great reporter and an even better friend. A couple of years ago, she helped my son Stephen get a job at the Sakati Center where she had been working. They became good buddies. Rest in peace, my friend. You will be missed. And that wraps up another edition of the Party Shots podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman, members of the NHL on NBC, and Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. The Party Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Party Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette Newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shuck. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Good day. Good sports.